From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, incoming Meritech CEO Tom Hodovec talks to FNC reporter J.D. Duggan. Hodovec talks about Meritech's future and shares his thoughts on the industrial real estate market. All right. Today we have Tom Hodovec. He's soon stepping into the role of CEO at Meritech at, after nearly two decades in leadership roles at the industrial real estate and investment company. Uh, hey, Tom. Thanks for joining. Hey, J.D. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. First, can you tell me a little bit about what your work has been so far at Meritex? So I joined Meritex uh, just about 20, well, 19 years ago uh, at the turn of the year here. Uh, I was a CFO. And at, at the time, you know, 20 years ago, the ownership had uh, changed or began to change from the second to the third generation of the family. And the family had reassessed and reiterated their goals. So that brought about some refinement of our strategy to you know, be a high performance company, enhance our liquidity, and um, you know, just make sure that the business has the capability to stay around and stay strong on for multiple generations going forward. We like to talk about having a 100 year history, uh, but we look at the kind of, the, if you flip it forward, right? We're trying to do things to make sure that we can be around for another hundred years. Yeah. Awesome. How did you first get into this industry? <laughs> uh, like all good things, maybe by accident. You know, <laughs> I had gone to college um, and studied accounting. I graduated and didn't have a job. And so I took a temp assignment. And my first assignment was at a commercial real estate company uh, in Iowa. It was uh, it ultimately became General Growth Properties. So through my time there, I... Um, you know, General Growth was a growing company, and I, I think both General Growth and Meritex and uh, along my career path, you, I found opportunities where there was a growing business, which created career opportunities for myself to learn and try new challenges. And at General Growth, I kind of quickly moved out of the accounting role into more of a capital markets and investment activity. And uh, it was a small team. So I was able to work with the executives there and really they became mentors and taught me about commercial real estate. And, um, you know, it's really been a great fit for me. I, I think I truly enjoy building businesses, solving problems, building relationships. And, um, you know, here at Meritex, we've been able to do that in a way that's good for everyone, right? Our shareholders, our employees. Uh, of course, our customers and capital partners as well, but also trying to be engaged with the community. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I hear that often that people get into the industry kind of by accident. Usually there's some mentor relationship that that brings them into it. Um, that's, it's just interesting to hear you say that. 
Why were you chosen to lead Meritex? Um, well, I had worked with uh, the family, and Patty McNeely is our longtime CEO. He had he's he had become the CEO in 2001. I joined the company in 2004, and Patty really led this transformation of the business, both in the real estate and the enhancement of our culture over these last 20 years. So I've been um, kind of on his team, helping you know build the culture. Um, establish our strategy. And as part of that, I've been able to, you know, demonstrate my capabilities, but also be highly aligned with our shareholders and our board. Yeah. What are um, some of your goals stepping into this role? Well, I think it's uh, critical that, you know, we are aligned with the family and that the family is engaged in, in the long-term vision of the company. Um, I think it, if, as we look back and think about our success, it's really, um, we ask us, we're research oriented, asking questions about what drives really our revenues, which leads to our success. And that's, you know, the demand drivers for our tenants. So we're trying to think about, you know, what do our tenants want? How do they make a decision around what space they're in? And then, you know, we build back from there around our strategy. Our goal is to have buildings in locations that meet our customers' needs so that they can be successful and prosperous in our space. Yeah. Are you finding some locations right now to be especially suited for this? Um, Yes. Back to 20 years ago when we, you know, as I started, they had done some of this thinking about the strategy and as a hundred year old business, we had what we today call our legacy assets, things that, you know, they had bought and operated out of, um, you know, prior to the two thousands and Patty had been on a trip and learned from a broker that, uh, you know, 80% of the leasing transactions are 50,000 square feet or less. And that kind of got him thinking and, and us thinking about, well, if that's true, how do we make our and our goal is to make our business stable and resilient. You know, if you think of baseball, right? I want to have more strikes so I have a better chance of hitting the ball than balls if I'm if I'm the batter. And so we just tried to position our portfolio in alignment with that tenant demand. And then over time began to think more about how that tenant, you know, why those tenants are choosing our buildings? Why are they choosing certain submarkets? And that's really helped us uh, find a lot of success in the last, you know, ten years. You think about Amazon and e-commerce has been a big uh, trend. That's all about getting close to your customer, and so these smaller buildings that we own are close to more infill locations, and that's really helped us benefit as part of that last mile trend, but also during the COVID pandemic, you know, supply chains are of course viewed differently now by most businesses. It used to be a, an expense. And, and I would say over my career, the just the corporate mantra has been, you know, just in time, right? Let's kind of shrink down and become lean and efficient. And during the pandemic, just in time became a problem because the goods weren't flowing smoothly. And just in case, is what became the new moniker that businesses 
lost opportunities because they didn't have product to sell. So carrying a little bit more inventory has been good for those businesses. Sure. Um, are there some efforts or strategies that your company has been involved in lately that might be of interest? Um, you know, from the tenant demand part, you know, I think that trying to understand the demographic trends is uh, probably the driver there. But mm-hmm. from a broader strategy, um, you know, we've looked at how can we become more knowledgeable, deliver better service to our tenants. So we've focused on trying to build critical mass in a few select markets. Our portfolio is in nine markets across the country. And in order to do that, you know, we have our own financial resources as an organization. But I would say in the last 10 years, we've done a series of investment relationships with other parties, you know, some large life insurance companies, pension plans, and more recently a fund um, that we raised that has allowed us to continue to grow our footprint without taking outsized balance sheet risk. And what that allows us to do is have, you know, a million or more square feet in each market. And then we put teams in those markets that can, you know, build those relationships with the local brokerage community and the tenant base and really help us understand what trends are taking place in our portfolio. How would you say, you said you're in nine markets, right? Um, how would you say the Twin Cities market kind of shapes up compared to other metro areas that you're either involved in or just that you're seeing across the country? Yes. So right now we own and manage uh, 12 million square feet across those markets and we're 99% leased uh, across the whole portfolio. So every market is doing terrific today. I would say over the long term, or if I look back over history, um, we we might divide our portfolio into two segments, you know, those in the upper Midwest, and we have a, an exposure to the southern portion of the United States as well. And the United States, or excuse me, uh, Minneapolis is not the most volatile, highest growth market in the U.S., um, which is an attractive quality for us and that we, you know, having some steady eddy in your portfolio is great. And some of those in the South have been more volatile, you know, those high growth markets. Sometimes uh, that, that big upside comes with, you know, more downside when there's a recession. So Minneapolis is, uh, is our company was founded in St. Paul. And so Minneapolis is home for us. And um, having a nice presence here is important. Yeah. Um, is that because of just the diversity of the Twin Cities economy, you would say? Or do you think there are other factors with that? Uh, yeah, as part of the diversity, a few anchors to our economy are, you know, the state capital, a, a Big Ten university, and there's, I believe, uh, 20 Fortune 500 companies headquartered here in the United States. So a lot of stable employment base that, you know, kind of serves as a foundation for our economic performance. Definitely. How are you reflecting on kind of the changing dynamics of the industrial market over the last year? It seemed like the for the first part of the year, things were great, and then it, it, there were there were some challenges that came that were still in it. it um, what what do you think of just how this last year has been? Uh, you're right. The demand side has been terrific. As I mentioned, our portfolio is essentially full, um, and that's given us um, some higher rents. Um, that's been good for our business, and that. You know, we want that mutual prosperity for our customers. So we're trying to find those highly functional spaces for our tenants. 
the other side of our business, um, the investment side, is is where some of this challenge has come up with the high inflation and more recently these higher interest rates. So that raises our borrowing cost. And I think it's really disrupted the investment marketplace. Uh, each year, um, you know, we're trying to buy roughly $100 million of properties. And the borrowing side of those investments, that, that debt market is disrupted. Some people aren't playing and the pricing is moving very fast. And so on the investment side of buying a property, there's a lot of uncertainty as to, or, or a lot of different opinions anyway, of, of how people want to price those assets. And and maybe rightfully so, many people are choosing not to play in the market while it's so volatile. Mm-hmm. And so as we're closing out 22, you know, we kind of look forward to hopefully some normal more consistent pricing and liquidity on the investment market in the first quarter. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that a bit. It's kind of felt like we've been at a fork in the road, a, a wait and see for for a bit now. Do you have any grasp of what the future holds? Do you have any thoughts on what what could be to come? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a crystal ball. But, right. uh, you know, I think, as I said earlier, you know, we are, we've been around for 106 years. So we've tried to build the business to be steady so that we can, you know, we've got consistent cash flow and we've got balance sheet capacity so that if if there is a bigger recession and let's say the Fed doesn't orchestrate a soft landing, there's a deep recession, we've got the ability to survive that. And and if I think back to 2009, you know, we had the relationships and the resources to be on offense and make investment opportunities. So if, if that scenario plays out, we'll be in good shape. And if um, hopefully for all of us, it's a soft landing and, you know, things kind of stabilize, um, we'll be able to find opportunities to grow our business and, you know, borrow the necessary capital to make investments on favorable terms. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I mean, your company's been through recessions and depressions, right? And still made it through. (laughs) A lot's happened in a hundred years. That's right. Um, Tom, I don't think I have any other questions. Was there anything you want to add that I didn't ask about? Um, you know, I would just, uh, I think for Meritex, you know, I just can't overstate the importance of the relationships that we build with the family and their engagement with the business. Meritex has done an outstanding job of building its governance and culture. That culture is what allows us to attract and develop the talent that we have at our company building meaningful and lasting relationships with those tenants, brokers, uh, capital providers. So we're really trying to develop a strategy to achieve the vision, but do it in a way that creates success for all of our stakeholders. And um, you know, mutual prosperity with our tenants is kind of at the top of the list. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking the time. And My congrats pleasure. On, the, on the new role. Yeah. Take <laughs> thank care. you. Yeah. See you.